you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 27 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith, and thank you so much for your prayers and support for me and my family and my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall. We are so, so grateful for it. Well, in episode 27, we will be discussing the amazing subject of grace. Just like the love of God can be both overemphasized and underemphasized, so too, the grace of God is often both over and under simplified. Today, I will be discussing the various ways the Koine Greek word charis, grace, is used in scripture, and I'll highlight a few ways the early Christians used charis in their writings. By way of housekeeping, at the end of every episode of Reclaiming the Faith, I include an original song, and I pray that those songs have been a blessing to you. Well, a few months ago, I began recording a seven-song EP of original songs I've written over the last five years. And this can be quite a costly endeavor. So to help cover the cost of production, I've created a GoFundMe campaign. And you can find a link to that GoFundMe campaign in the show notes. Well, for those who contribute $20, you will receive a hard copy of the seven-song EP plus a demo CD of acoustic versions of five additional songs. And for those who contribute $30 or more, in addition to the EP and demo, I will include a copy of my book, New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ. And if you're blessed by this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you leave an honest review on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at my website, reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com, or email me at emailphilsbaker at gmail.com. And my book, New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, can be found on Amazon. And if it's been a blessing to you, please also leave me an honest review there. Well, I am blessed to be a part of Justin Fall's Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. You can contact BDK at OmegaFrequency.com, and you can send in questions for that Q&A show there. In addition to our own channels, you can find each of our podcasts at FourthWatchRadio.com or on the Fourth Watch Radio podcast. And finally... The early Christian quotes I use can be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, and you can purchase your copy for $5 on the Scroll Publishing website. All right, well, let's get into episode 27, Reclaiming Grace. Well, over the last several years, I've had many eye-opening moments reading the early Christian writings, and one of those moments concerned the subject of grace. What is grace? In the New Testament, grace comes from the Greek word charis, and one writer defines charis this way, quote, if we had to sum it up, we could say this, God's charis is his gracious help 
on our behalf. With regard to our salvation, it refers to his helping the helpless, like unmerited favor. And with regard to our walk with him, it refers to his helping the helped, which is more like favor and empowerment. Well, Karis has a more complex definition than what I just read, but that's definitely a good starting off point. You know, many teachers, Christian teachers, state that grace simply means unmerited favor. And that's what I believed and taught for a long time. But is that completely accurate? Think about the word light for a moment. Light can be the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Light can also be a physical light bulb, like the phrase, turn the light on. You're referring to the bulb. As an adjective, light can be, it's more like a paler shade of a color, like her eyes are light green or light brown. As a verb, the word light can mean to ignite something. It can also mean as a verb to bring clarity or illumination to something or someone. Those are five different definitions of the same word light. And in the same way, grace is a far richer and far more complex word than it is often given credit for. So let's begin to look through scripture at the way this word charis is used. Well, first, let's hit on unmerited favor, because that is certainly a great, great way that grace is described in the Bible. And one of the classic passages that we find that type of definition for grace is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. Paul writes this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, Charis, you have been saved. Let's move on to the second definition of grace. This is simply defined as favor. Now, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verse 40, and this is speaking about Jesus as a child. And Luke writes, The child, Jesus, continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Now, clearly, this cannot mean unmerited favor. Jesus did not need unmerited favor from God. He is God. And so, this is speaking more of favor, favor being upon Jesus. Also, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 through 20, Peter writes this, For this finds Charis, this finds favor. If, for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. 
Now, clearly, this is not something that's unmerited. It's something that the person did by grace, but they did. And that finds favor with God. Hmm. Let's move on. Definition number three. So first we've had unmerited favor, favor, and now thanks. Thanks. In Romans 7, verse 25, Paul writes, Charis, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, clearly God, God the Father, does not need his own unmerited favor. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, also thinking about charis defined as thanks or gratitude. Verse 16, Paul writes, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with charis, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Definition number four. Charis defined as help, divine help. James chapter four, verse six. James writes, Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives charis, grace, help to the humble. This is clearly also not unmerited favor because someone is doing something, by God's grace, of course, but they're doing something that earns help. And it's being humble. Humility. The same is written by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. He writes, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand that he may exalt you at the proper time. It's interesting, this word opposed, it literally means like to fight against. Think of two uh Two armies in, say, the Civil War, uh, the gray coats and the blue coats marching toward one another in battle formation. This is the picture of the word opposed. And God comes to fight against the proud, but he gives help. He gives divine help, grace to those who have humbled themselves before him. He exalts them if they humble themselves. Now, the fifth definition. This is divine empowerment. So, God giving someone power to do something for him or to help other people. And this definition can be found in Acts 4.33. Luke writes, And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. So we can see this is more of an empowerment because it's talking about the apostles, by God's grace, doing miraculous things 
to help give testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And if there was a question about that, the same way of the same Charis is used in the same way in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, about Stephen. Luke again writes, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Grace as divine empowerment. The early Christians used this version of grace quite a bit as well. And one of the earliest ways we see this definition of grace, this divine empowerment being used, is in a letter to Diognetus, which is one of the earliest Christian documents, and it was highly revered uh, by the early Christians in the uh, second century. This is what is written. He says, this is Mathetes writing to uh, Diognetus. He writes, This is he who, from from everlasting, is today called the Son, through whom the church is enriched and grace, widely spread, increases in the saints, furnishing understanding, revealing mysteries, announcing times, rejoicing over the faithful, giving to those that seek, by whom the limits of faith are not broken through, nor boundaries set by the fathers passed over. So he's saying here, by grace, Christians around the world are doing exploits for God. They are walking as Jesus walked. They are doing what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Divine help, divine empowerment. Now, verse or sorry, definition number 6. This is charis as the word gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 3, Paul is writing to the Corinthians about this financial blessing, financial, it's like a love offering that he's collecting uh, in the churches around the world to bring to the church at Jerusalem, who is undergoing quite a difficult time. So he writes, when I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your charis, to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Peter writes of a different type of gift in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He's talking about spiritual charis, spiritual gifts. He writes, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold charis of God. He's saying that charis there is very complex. It's it, it's multidimensional in a sense. It's the manifold charis of God, gifts of God. And now the seventh definition of grace as credit. That's right, credit. It's, it's an incredible way that charis is used, and Jesus himself is the one who uses charis as credit. This is Luke chapter 6, verse 32 through 35. This is the Sermon on the Plain, as it's frequently called. Jesus says, If you love those who love you, what charis is that to you? What credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, 
What charis is that to you? What credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit, what charis is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Well, that's certainly not talking about unmerited favor. It's talking about credit. It's talking about reward. Reward. Very interesting. And we've heard all these definitions of grace and one of the things that I want to kind of land on now is that Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3 that we can grow in grace. Grow in grace. He says this, chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 of 2 Peter. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow in grace. How do we grow in grace? I thought, we were, we were often taught that we were given all the grace that we would ever receive when we gave our lives to Jesus and received the Holy Spirit. And yet Peter says that we can grow in grace. Well, the early Christians wrote a bit about this as well. Cyprian, the uh, bishop of Carthage in uh, 250 AD, wrote this about growing in grace. He said, All our power is of God. I say, of God. From Him we have life. From Him we have strength. By power derived and conceived from Him we do, while yet in this world foreknow the indication of things to come. Only let fear be the keeper of innocence, that the Lord, who of His mercy has flowed into our hearts in the access of celestial grace, may be kept by righteous submissiveness in the holstery of a grateful mind, that the assurance we have gained may not beget carelessness, and so the old enemy creep upon us again. But if you keep the way of innocence, the way of righteousness, if you walk with a firm and steady step, if, depending on God with your whole strength and with your whole heart, you only be what you have begun to be. Liberty and power to do is given you in proportion to the increase of your spiritual grace. So let our heart only be a thirst and let us be ready to receive in the degree in which we bring to it a capacious faith. In that measure, we draw from it an overflowing grace. Thence is given 
power, with modest chastity and a sound mind, with a simple voice, with unblemished virtue that is able to quench the virus of poisons for the healing of the sick, to purge out the stains of foolish souls by restored health, to bid peace to those that are at enmity and repose to the violent, gentleness to the unruly. So, Cyprian says that if we are genuinely seeking God and humbling ourselves under His hand, we will grow in grace. We will grow in grace. It's very analogous, it's very similar to what James and Peter wrote about humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand. He gives help grace, charis, to the humble. And think about 1 Peter 4. He says, As each one has received a spiritual gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, I've seen uh, many spiritual gift inventories in my life uh, that would say, like, playing piano, is a spiritual gift and things like that is clearly not in scripture. Uh, rapping, you know, like Eminem is a is a pretty phenomenal rapper, but that is not a spiritual gift. It, clearly, that talent has been given to him by God to put words together, rhyming words together in a great way. Every good and perfect gift is from God, but only those with the Holy Spirit get the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts of God. But did you know, did you know that God wants, God will allow you to have even more than one? And how do you discover what those spiritual gifts are? Well, I want to challenge you to do, to humble yourself and do what Paul commands every Christian to do in 1 Corinthians 12, and 14. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists off many of the spiritual gifts listed in the Bible. He talks about a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, teaching, prophecy, speaking in tongues. He talks about many, many spiritual gifts. And at the end of chapter 12, in verse 31, Paul commands us this, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. That's command language. To earnestly desire these greater gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 13, we have the famous love passage, right? The famous love chapter. I would encourage you to view love also as living out the gifts that God has given you. To use use those for the benefit of the whole world. That is one of the main ways that we demonstrate love toward people and love toward God because God said that if we love him, we will keep his commands. Well, here is another command from Paul uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 14, verse 1, Paul writes, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly the spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And so I really want to challenge you today. Do you want to grow in grace? 
Do you want to grow in the manifold grace of God? Well, have you ever humbled yourself and prayed, earnestly prayed without ceasing for God to give you the greater spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy? If you haven't, why not? Why not start today and then continue to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and be a good steward of his manifold grace? Jesus himself said, he who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. Let's do those works not to gain salvation, but to demonstrate God's love to the world. God bless you. For better or worse, for richer or poorer, forever I'm yours, I'm yours. have loved me long before I ever could Even when I was your enemy oh, In spite of my self-righteous pride Your love endures Your grace amazes me It amazes me For better or worse for richer or poorer, forever I'm yours, I'm yours. Oh, for better or worse, let my heart be pure, yeah, eternally yours, I'm yours. All that counts is faith when it's expressed in love Everything that's left will burn away Oh, You'll be standing tall and shining like the sun More beautiful than words can say Who am I that you Love me, who am I that you would choose me? Yeah, your mercies are new each morning. It's true, it's true. Oh, for better or worse, for richer or poorer. Forever I'm yours, I'm yours Oh, for better or worse Let my heart be pure, yeah Eternally yours, I'm yours For better or worse